Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Order! Order! You are in Judge Rob's court now, bitches. Hello, Prosecutor Amanda Howard. Welcome to my courtroom where what I say goes. And ain't that a nice turnaround? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know actually how to use that gavel, Robert? I'm not sure you do. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what the technical laws are, but I know that in the house of Judge Rob, when I use the gavel, that's a gavel. And that's my first order of business. My first judgment is I get to use the gavel whenever I like. How's that? <laughs> I can hear everyone's earphones coming out of their ears as you do that. So. Sorry, I, I'll, I'll calm down. The power has gone to my head. Judge Rob has come out of retirement. Ha, Amanda, how are you doing? I'm excited about this season. I am nervous as if we're doing the first ever episode again and I don't have any alcohol to help me get through <laughs> it. So I'm, I'm a little excited, but uh, like very, very nervous. I, I can't believe that we're finally doing this season. Yes. Well, I know. It's a very exciting. We've got a lot of uh, subscribers coming across to Patreon and Uscreen who are going to the higher tiers to be able to see this and listen to it. So uh, no pressure, Amanda. You need to prosecute a good, uh, bring the evidence before me. And I, as Judge Rob, will give my theory and verdict, as we all know. Uh, let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, look, as mentioned, we are examining the death of six-year-old John Benet Ramsey, a child beauty queen who was found on Boxing Day in 1996 inside her Boulder, Colorado home. And I look, we have to offer this warning before we start. This mini-series will examine the injuries and details of the death suffered by a child. This may be a trigger warning for some, so if it is, please skip this season. All right, Amanda, this is a big one. Where do we start? Well, with this one, we need to start at the very beginning. And so we need to talk about the players that are inside that house when this began. So we have uh, John Ramsey, who is John Bonet's dad. Mm-hmm. We also have Patsy Ramsey, her mother, and nine-year-old Burke, who is her older brother. So uh, the, the four of them are the only ones that, that are home that morning. It is Boxing Day which is what we call it in Australia and I think Canada and Eng- England does too. In America, it's just December 26. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, obviously, we need to point out the photo we just showed of the boy there. He's not a nine-year-old boy. That's him as an adult. 
<laughs> that is true. So that it was actually, I think, from a TV series where I don't think they played very nicely with Burke, but um, mm. we'll see how we go with him too. Yeah, and that's my first judgment. That was not a nine-year-old boy. Uh, that's my second judgment, sorry. <laughs> All right. Can you tell us a little bit about each one of them? Okay, well, let's start with John Ramsey. So John Ramsey had been married before and he actually has two older children um, before he met Patsy Ramsey. So um, he is also uh, the president of a computer company um, and he was obviously the, the, the father of of Patsy's two younger children, which is John Bonet and Burke. Now, Patsy Ramsey, she herself was also a beauty queen, and she um, sort of expressed that with with John Bonet's early life as well. Um, she has since died of ovarian cancer, so um, it's horrible to to think of an awful way to die um, without ever knowing the answers to her, her daughter's death. Um, then we have Burke, her older brother, as as we mentioned. Um, he is pretty much an average child on all all accounts. There's been stories about him being a psychopath and, and cruel and horrible, but essentially he was just a pretty usual kid for that age. Um, it was uh, only six months before her, her death that the family actually moved into this house, so they were still actually unpacking and, and, and doing things like that when this became their very first and probably only Christmas in their Boulder, Colorado home. You know, after a death, it, it, it can be said that some people have to leave their home straight away and there's others that don't ever leave. Like me, I'm staying in, in, in my house forever um, after my husband's passing here. Um, but with this, they have decided that they were just going to leave and just move away. And so there's different people who what would have done different things and people have sort of uh, – point that as a way to sort of blame them for the deaths of John Bonet. And that might be the verdict that Robert comes to too. But I just wanted to point that out that um, moving house or not moving house shouldn't be an in indication of guilt or innocence. Yeah. Um, so if, if we were to look at John Bonet Ramsey today, um, she would be in her early 30s. So this proves how long this has been um, a case that so many people have investigated. But we are looking at her as the forever six-year-old girl. It's funny you say that because it is just so hard to imagine her in her 30s. Amanda, this is a case the world knows about. Everyone knows about this case. But I've got to be honest, I don't know the details. I haven't followed it in meticulous detail. I'm hoping to learn a lot. I know I will learn a lot here, which is why it is good. I am not coming to this uh, season with a perception on who is guilty. Well, and that's good because, I mean, I have at least half a dozen suspects I'm going to uh, uh, produce and, and present to you later on in, in this case. But I think it's really important that we actually put all the players where they belong in this and, and, and go through it piece by piece. So this is almost going to be like a doco sort of thing, which is not what we usually do because we usually start with the, um, with the person being arrested. But this time we're never even going to end that point. But it's going to be an interesting story to go through and and I'm glad that we're finally doing it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, let's start with the timeline. When was the discovery made that John Bonet Ramsey was missing? Well, actually, Rob, we actually have to go a little further back than that because that happens later on in, in the day. But first of all, um, I have my first exhibit to show you. Can you please read this to the court for me? 
Oh, okay, sure. Dear family and friends, it's been another busy year at the Ramsey household. Can't believe it's almost over and time to start again. Melinda, 24, graduated from Medical College of Georgia and is working in paediatric ICU at Kennestone Hospital in Atlanta. John Andrew, 20, is a sophomore at the University of Colorado. Burke is a busy fourth grader where he really shines in math and spelling. He played flag football this fall and is currently on a basketball binge. His little league team was number one. He's lost just about all of his baby teeth, so I'm sure we'll be seeing the orthodontist in 1997. John Bonet is enjoying her first year in real school. Kindergarten in the Cove Knowledge Program is fast-paced and five full days a week. She has already been moved ahead to first grade math. She continues to enjoy participating in talent and modelling pageants. She was named America's Royale Tiny Miss last summer and is Colorado's Little Miss Christmas. Her teacher says she is so outgoing that she will never have trouble delivering an oral book report. John is always on the go, travelling hither and yon. Access recently celebrated its $1 billion mark in sales, so he's pretty happy. He and his crew were underway in the Port Huron to Mackinac Island yacht race in July, but had to pull out midway due to lack of wind. Can you believe that? But his real love is the new old-looking boat, Grand Season, which he spent months designing. I spend most of my free time working in the school and doing volunteer work. The Charlevoix House was on the home tour in July and will likely appear in one of the Better Homes and Gardens publications in 1997. On a recent trip to New York City, my friend and I appeared amid the throng of fans on the Today Show. Al Roker and Brian actually talked to us and we were on camera for a few fleeting moments. We are all enjoying continued good health and look forward to seeing you in 1997. One final note, thank you to all my friends and my dear husband for surprising me with the biggest, most outrageous 40th birthday bash I've ever had. We'll be spending my actual birthday on the Disney Big River boat over the new year. Merry Christmas. Amanda, that's interesting to read that out. Uh, I'm guessing this comes in handy later, but that sounds like an end of year letter, a lot of boasting, but sounds like a happy family achieving a lot. It does. It's it's quite amazing to read that. So that was Patsy's Christmas letter that went out with their personalised Christmas cards that year. So um, this is obviously before everything happened. But there's a couple of phrases in there and a couple of spelling bits and pieces that will come up later in another episode of this. But I thought let's start with the very beginning, and that was them welcome, welcoming the Christmas New Year. Okay, Amanda, we have a video here of the family celebrating Christmas in 1994. Now, there's a lot of audio missing from this video, and you might be able to tell me why, but let's roll in the video and have a look at what's going on and explain it to the audio feed. So we're seeing what I assume is John Bonet Ramsey and her brother opening Christmas presents here. Yes, it is. And as we can see, it's all on camera. There's Disney princesses, there's there's big trucks, and it's just what we would expect to see on any Christmas morning. Well, in, in my house, anyway, mm. it's usually about that that crazy. So, you know, everyone's still in their pyjamas. There's lots of wrapping paper everywhere. Um, John bonet has been shown a beautiful bridal doll that she's been given. It looks like it's almost as her big as her. Maybe it's Patsy. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's just sort of that cuteness that happens. And of course, the pink Barbie car. So um, it's just absolutely adorable that, you know, this 
I, I have hundreds of videos of, of, of my kids opening presents and Christmases and things like that, and this is exactly what we would do. So uh, the older um, Ramsey children are there as well, you know, but there's construction going on of, of train sets and breakfasts and all, all sorts of stuff going on. So I actually spend a lot of time on YouTube watching Christmas opening videos. I'm one of those weird people. So <laughs> but, but this is very, very scenes, typical Amanda. of what you, you see. It is. You know, we saw the genuine happy scenes that felt like when they were opening the presents. It's feeling a little bit more um, formal there as, as they're putting things together. Yeah. But now we're seeing video of um, uh, Patsy and the kids talking to camera. But why is the audio missing from these videos, Amanda? Um, because these were actually used on television. So these were just sort of spots for them um, advertising their beautiful home and, you know, come and see us in Boulder, Colorado and things like that. So this was something that was used on 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 news cast and, and stuff around the area at, at the time. And just sort of it paints a very, very different picture to what we're seeing is pristine. Everything's clean. They're in matching mm. clothes. Their hair is immaculate. It's very different to, to those happy snaps that we just saw with wrapping paper going everywhere and the kids' hair all, all messed up from, you know, trying to sleep knowing that Santa was coming that that day. So it's 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 a very sort of um, two, two very different glimpses in, into the same family. Yeah, absolutely. So it, in some ways, um, helps put the, the family into perspective. But we're all like that, aren't we? Christmas gets messy, but the image we present to people, and we've got a photo of them at Christmas too, um, actually just is, is the press release you put out to people, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it looks like that, especially the um, the very uh, glowing crucifix that we can see smack bang in, mm. in the centre of Patsy's chest too. I mean, it's, it's sending out a very clear cut, you know, we are a good, wholesome Christian family and, you know, we're, they, they're probably reading a Bible in that photo from what I can tell, you know, but, but this is the sort of thing that, that they would do. This is about presenting an image and it's actually going to show us a lot of other things that we're going to see which doesn't go along with this Im image um and you know whilst we we see these these photos um it's just those areas that are made to look magnificent it's not the other areas like the garage or john bonnet ramsey's room um so many of, of these areas are just nightmarishly messy which means it could definitely be from my house because well, that's my I house hope you're going somewhere with this because judge rob said doesn't feel like this is a major point point at the moment someone presents an image about their family that is different to the reality i mean that's called facebook that's called social media these days so you know <laughs> Isn't that right? It certainly is. It mm. is, but uh, uh, Patsy Ramsey is someone who's very much about appearances, and that's what we're seeing here is, is okay. that someone who is is betraying that they've got their shit together when they certainly do not. All right, counsel, I'll allow it for the moment. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's move to Christmas night, please. What happened? 
Well, the Ramseys actually um, attended a party. So um, it, it was at um, a family friend. So they they drove home after the party. Sorry, the, the, the party was at, at the Whites. And, and they drove home. Um, uh, uh, John's older children also uh, drove home. Um, and the two younger children had fallen asleep by this point and they were put to bed. This is, remember, Christmas night. Um, and, you know, there was still food left out from lunches and breakfasts and the other parties that they'd been to. Um, and their kitchen was pretty much a write-off, which most people's are by Christmas night. And the two children were put to bed. And then um, John and Patsy just spent some uh a short amount of time just making sure they had everything packed and ready to go because they were flying out that morning um, and just were do doing those final touches before they also retired to bed. Okay, so the family have gone to bed on Christmas night. Does anyone in the neighbourhood see or hear anything after that time? Well, actually they do. So around midnight, a neighbour actually heard what she thought was a scream and there was lights going on and off um, ar around the neighbourhood and the Ramsey's lights she did note were still on. So um, that's one thing that, that we know definitely was timed around midnight. So that's our first, well, that's our second piece of evidence. Okay. We're also just seeing there in the video feed the crime scene, which is quite interesting to see that image of the house that is pristine with mm. the um, police tape in front of it. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later, but for the moment, tell me about the uh, another thing the neighbour heard. Well, um, the, at, the, at the Stanton house, which was a few doors down, um, uh, they believed that they heard something about 2am. So Melody was actually up still. This is um, at 2am on December 26th. Um, and she claimed that she could see that there was a window ajar and that she could hear a scream coming from the Ramsey home. So third piece of evidence that that we've got so this is between so at midnight we have something heard and then we have at 2am a, a definite scream being heard okay now this piece of evidence which to me is very very important was not revealed until a year later in a tabloid is that correct Yes, and this is what happens, especially with these big cases that, that, that seem to uh, go across the world. You know, we have a small, beautiful, blonde-haired -haired girl who is found dead. And so it's pieces like this that can get lost or they only come out when someone is going to hand them a lovely check to actually say these sorts of things. But, um, you know, it, it did come out and there were tests done that if a scream could be heard at the Stanton house from the Ramsey's home, um, then it could have concluded that John had been killed in her bedroom. The sound would not have travelled that far so it's starting to sort of put together well if she did scream as she was being killed like if someone was abducting her or someone was strangling her or, or, or something in her bedroom it couldn't have been heard from their house but if she was closer to a window being opened or um in the basement where she she will later be found it's entirely possible that they could have heard that at the stanton house so it's interesting that this is something that the police didn't get that they didn't go to the Stanton home a few doors down and say, did you hear anything last night? It's quite interesting that it's things like this that get missed that don't come up until later, but there is some people who, who, who believe that this was just something that was um, uh, evidence of opportunity rather than evidence of crime. So, Okay, very interesting. And why did it take us so long to come forward? This was a high-profile case. Well, it, 
Exactly, exactly. And as I say, is it because the the checks come out and people are going to say, if anyone's got anything, we will pay you to talk about it? Or is this to indicate how poor the police gathering of evidence was? So you have to keep both of these thoughts um, going forward because it could be either, um, especially because we are going to see a lot of people that come out of the woodwork with stories that um, are entirely false, but it doesn't stop people coming and discussing their own theories or how they were involved, even though they were in a different country, all things like this. So it's it's each piece. I'm going to give you a crumb at a time, Robert, and you're going to make a pie by the end of this. All right. I will tell people I believe the screen did happen. I do believe the people came forward when they finally put the pieces together and maybe it was playing on their mind. I don't care if they made money out of it, but falsifying a an important piece of evidence like that is very, very serious. And if anyone was going to hear a scream, it would come from the other side of the street. So I have no reason to um, believe that this was a vicious lie. I, I do believe someone heard something and obviously didn't think anything about it. And and the way this played out as well, Amanda, we didn't know she was dead straight away, did we? No, no, absolutely not. So the fact that they had heard something, um, but also at the same time, why didn't anyone else come forward and say they heard the same thing around the same time? So um, this is one piece of evidence from one person. So not like the entire street sort of yep. come out of 2am and said, what was that? People um, are asleep, but, you know, they may not have their windows open. You know, this house. Well, is... exactly. It is winter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what intrigues me, is that Stanton did describe the scream in really chilling detail. Yes, so her words were that she was woken by one loud, incredible scream and said it was horrifying. So she was obviously believed that this was from a child um, and wherever it come from, surely the parents would have heard that too and, and gone running for it. So interesting, she heard a child scream. And it expected that, you know, probably your child's fallen out of bed or of fallen down the steps or something because it's a very large home. So, yes, but she says it, it, it was bone chilling. So tell me why it was later suggested there wasn't a scream at all. Well, because Stanton actually changed part of her story. So, um, you know, she said oh. that she heard the scream a couple of nights in, in a row. And then she said, no, maybe it was just two nights in a row. So if you heard the same scream two nights in a row, surely you'd be up for the third night to make sure or be ready to record it or, you know, stand out in the street and, and, and have someone else there to, to corroborate it. But, yeah, she said that she had heard it a few times um, and that it possibly wasn't even a scream at all, but it was just a negative energy that she was getting that could have woken her and made her believe she'd heard a scream. So I'm oh, telling Jesus. you, Robert. New evidence alert. Maybe Judge Rob spoke too soon. <laughs> Your Honour, I have to admit all of this evidence as it stands. Uh, this is why maybe I'm not in a court of law like Judge Judy. I jump in too early. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Um, having said that, there it could be that this young girl was having nightmares. That could have been... Uh, something going on if it was over multiple nights. Uh, the uh, the person wrecks their own evidence by saying uh, it was negative energy, man. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they do lose a bit of credibility on that front. I still don't know or understand why you would make up the idea of a scream, but let's move on and push that to the side. That may play part going forward. I don't know. Um, Tell me about how Melody, Melody Stanton's husband 
heard something the same night? Yes, so after her bad energy, child scream, bone chilling, terrifying, whatever, he believes that he heard something being scraped on concrete, so something metal that was being scraped along concrete. So I'm thinking like the sound of a shovel against a driveway yes. sort of sound. He, he believed that's what he he heard that very same night that his, his wife woke up to the bone-chilling, bad energy screaming. Interesting. Were there any other sounds or noises heard in the street? Well, no. I mean, if someone is screaming, you'd expect to hear like dogs barking, something, um, you know, because people are coming and going as well because people are going on trips and things like that. But there was no other sounds heard. So the neighbour believed that she heard something and then the Stanton family believed they heard something as well. But that's it. Not a, even a single dog barked during that week. But of course, as I said, it is winter. It is very, very cold. It is snowing. And probably all the pets are probably inside after having some very lovely Christmas um, turkey to eat as well <laughs> <laughs> all right so then we get to boxing day morning december 26 uh we're in the ramsey household take us through those first moments okay i'm a mum but i'm also a weird mum because the first thing i do when i wake up every single day is i check that my children are here granted only one lives here now but she still thinks it's creepy that i do watch her sleeping um but you know but there has been times that you sort of get up and there's about twelve thousand things to, to do but you know but i always seem to be that person to check and it could be because of this case i mean this was i was not quite a teenager i was just out of out of my teens when this happened but anyway mm -hmm. um Patsy doesn't go and check on the kids at all. So, so she has a lot to do. Um, you know, her and John wake up around 5.30. They sort of get going. Now, their bedroom's on the third floor, so there's three three floors in, in, in this home. Um, John just gets up and jumps straight in, into the shower. Patsy heads downstairs. She's um, she's chucked on her, her clothes from the night before rather than walking around in her pyjamas. That to me is weird, but that's just me. Um, and she uh, puts on some makeup as well before heading downstairs to prepare to make them a cup of coffee to sort of start their day and get things going. Um, but she stops on the second floor to rinse out some clothing that was John Bonet's that had something spilt on or, or, or something. Uh, but then as she heads down from the second floor to the first floor, uh, she spots the piece of paper that is sitting on the bottom step, which we soon discover is actually the ransom uh, the, the ransom letter. So. Okay. Now I have uh, a transcript of the ransom note, so let me read it out because this is the first piece of information we have that proves something was wrong. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We, and the word is crossed out there, respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account, $100,000 will be in $100 bills, and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attaché to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. 
You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if there are any found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. S-B-T-C. Okay, Amanda, that obviously plays to the idea that she was kidnapped. Why? Well, let me rather ask why isn't it believed? Is it believed that she was kidnapped? Well, Your Honour, I'd like to discuss that further if we can have an adjournment for the day. All right, I will grant you an adjournment. We will continue with the case of John Bonet Ramsey this time next week. Please stay tuned for further updates. This is Judge Rob saying thank you for your time and energy. Prosecutor Amanda, I have enjoyed your presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Your Honour. Court is adjourned. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.